Love this podcast? Support this show through the Acast Supporter feature. It's up to you how much you give and there's no regular commitment. Just hit the link in the show description to support now. Ryan Reynolds here from Mint Mobile. With the price of just about everything going up during inflation, we thought we'd bring our prices down. So to help us, we brought in a reverse auctioneer, which is apparently a thing. Mint Mobile Unlimited Premium Wireless. How to get 30, 30, bit to get 30, bit to get 20, 20, 20, bit to get 20, 20, bit to get 15, 15, 15, 15, just 15 bucks a month? So Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. Hello and welcome to episode 358 of Geek Town Radio. I am back this week with... So, we meet again, but like you, for the last time. Not today, sir. <laughs> Matt, <laughs> how you doing? I'm very good, David. How are you? I'm good. Got a slightly different buzz intro this morning. Yeah, uh, so the, the idea I kind of had for my intro was it's still Toy Story, but just rotate between, I think it's four different clips. Yes. So, no. yeah, very cool. But no, I'm doing good. In terms of stuff I've been doing, the Call of Duty Modern Warfare 2 beta just had its second weekend. It went through, like, early access PlayStation, then opened to other people, and then it, it slowly just opened to, like, PC and Xbox and, and, and other places like that i really really liked it they had obviously you know limited game modes limited weapons and stuff it's just to you know get players to get used to the new feel of the game which it does feel very very different okay so for those of you who don't know what this is there are basically five modern warfare games now there's uh so all the way back in 2007 there was call of duty 4 modern warfare that's the first one mm-hmm. uh, then a few years later there was modern warfare 2 then modern warfare 3 after that uh then cod went through a bit of a weird cycle of making futuristic i vaguely remember that yes running and all sorts of weird stuff and then some other world war ii games yeah so that all happened and then in 2019 they did what what i would call a revival because they kept certain canon things because there was obviously the the campaigns and things from the original three games they revived the series and then brought back with uh, modern warfare 19 with all new sort of like technology and all new sort of gameplay systems and it was sort of like the big deal of bringing modern warfare back that was great. And then they, you know, made some uh, new leaps and stuff in technology. Uh, so then three years later, because after Vanguard and Cold War, those were the other two games. And obviously Warzone came out. Uh, Modern Warfare 2 is the actual sequel to Modern Warfare 19. Some people seem to think it's a remake of Modern Warfare 2. It's not a remake of, of Modern Warfare 2. Right. It will have certain classic guns and maps from Modern Warfare 2 because they're using classic things and new things, which well, is yeah. what they did with the previous games. So that's really cool. But yeah, it's, it's interesting playing this game on PS5 because again, with things like the adaptive triggers and haptic feedback, I say it feels like a new game because, well, it is a new game. They've sort of taken some of the technology that they put into Modern Warfare 19 and just advanced things a right. bit more. Um, one interesting thing that they've done, obviously, because when you have a shooting game, people are going to have different opinions about like, you know, weapons and systems and maps and game modes and things like that. But the one core thing, obviously, that you've got is the gunplay. You know, what does it feel like to shoot the guns, reload and slide and jump and you know that your movement and your shooting which yeah. is what i call sort of gunplay and what they've done modern warfare 19 was what i would call very sort of loose and very 
sort of fast and quick, which was the design of it. That was the whole sort of point of it. And you could do like slide cancelling and all, all these sort of other like really fast things. And what they've done with this one is just add like a touch more of weight to it. Not to the point where you feel like you're, you know, carrying loads of bags or something, but just that realistic little bit more of weight. And I feel like they've kind of got that perfect so far. Mm-hmm. Um, of course, it's going to be different with like what guns you've got, what equipment you, you've got, the attachments, things like that, because there's attachments you can get that will sort of increase your sprint to fire speed or your aiming speed and, you know, it's, it's things things like that. So, uh, again, when, when the full game comes out, we'll be able to sort of, if we have a gun and we want to change the way it uh, operates and stuff, you can do that with attachments because you can add, I think, like five different attachments. So there's always those options. There's been a few like community kind of complaints and things. One, one of the one of the really odd complaints I've found um, through, through the beta. It wouldn't be it, Call of Duty if there weren't some complaints. <laughs> exactly, exactly. And what, and what it kind of comes down to at the end of the day is Infinity Ward, who's the developer of the Modern Warfare series or all of those games, is obviously there's tons of different people playing this game. They've all got different play styles, different ways they want to play. People are going to agree and disagree on, you know, where the perk should be and how you can choose all that and, you know, all that type of stuff. But one kind of strange complaint I, I've seen is like, oh, the footsteps are too loud <laughs> right. uh, when, when, when you're running around. It's interesting how, like, I play this game. Obviously, I've got my certain way of playing the game tactically and things like that, because there's kind of a big difference between there is what I would call the headless chicken type of player. Yeah. And somebody like me who I still tend to run around and things like that. You're going to be running around in the game. I tend to play a bit more tactically. Mm-hmm. Um, and what, what certain players just want to do is look on the map for the red dots when people shoot, use dead silence, sprint head first without looking at anything over to that person and, and shoot them. And the problem with playing like that is if a sniper sees you or you run past somebody, they're going to see you and probably get you. And then yeah. you'll probably be annoyed about that. But that's been uh, interesting as well. But the, the the funny part about like the whole footsteps thing is everybody's footsteps are the same volume. So nobody's at a particular disadvantage with that. It's not as if the enemy will hear you louder than you're going to hear them right. because everybody's foot. See, the, the thing is, because they, they put this technology into Modern Warfare 19, the emphasis yeah. on like 3D audio and footsteps and like tracking your enemy, which I find really, really fun to do. Yeah. Uh, like you, you hear somebody running above you or in the next room or downstairs too, depending on where you are. Yeah, that's and you'll cool. Tra- and you'll track that person. It's really, really fun to do and you use different tactics different equipment it's great but i think what they've done with this game i don't feel like it's louder i feel like it's clearer right and i feel like it's clearer because well first of all i'm on a the next gen system because i was mm-hmm. playing the other game on ps4 and this is on ps5 and plus you've got a game that's just been in development for three years and you'd expect technology to be you know clearer and better and improved but one way to do that with the audio is not necessarily make it louder but make it clearer um but in, yeah. in, in general i really really enjoyed this i think the the, the actual audio design itself like the way the guns sound the way that everything sounds i think is really sort of top class once i got used to how the game felt to play because it felt very weird at the start because it's it wasn't what i was sort of used to mm-hmm. once you sort of get what they were going with and everything i, I really started to enjoy it so uh, but the the two weekends of the beta have gone and the the game's out on the 28th of october so uh, okay. very much looking forward to playing that when it comes out excellent i played a building game this week I, which yes. is is not something you probably ever heard me say no no before. but i i get why i had actually looked at this game and hadn't bought it but it did intrigue me so what's it like it's called disney dreamlight valley it just came out very recently it's only 25 pound on the playstation store which mm-hmm. is very very good and if you've got game pass as well which i don't but some people might do you can um get it on game pass i think that would apply to the pc game pass as well probably i so. would have have to have a look yes but you can get it on game pass for 
free technically with a subscription i've only played about an hour of it i just sort of got like started with it and i I streamed all of that which was quite good it was interesting for me because i i get what the game was like trying to get me to do and stuff you got to mine different things and find different equipment because my first hour was kind of finding like the fishing rod and finding the pickaxe and finding the shovel and you know that's obviously so that you can make stuff and plant things and water your garden and stuff like that I met Goofy, which was fun. I met uh, Scrooge McDuck, who initially I thought was somebody else, but we won't get into that. We won't get into my, my mistake there. <laughs> met the the wizard, who's at the start of the game. But no, I've, I've seen like some of the trailers and things like that. Um, I'm mainly just kind of looking forward to walking around in my created sort of Disney world with these fun Disney characters. And hopefully eventually meeting uh, Buzz and Woody. That'll be really fun. Yes. When that happens. I think they're adding like a specific story thing later on. There was a trailer that they released for that. I'm still going to be kind of learning how to play it and sort of what to do in it. There's a ton of different mechanics, but it's got a lot of promise. I quite like it so far. A little bit of that grind towards it, but I kind of expected that. You know, I'm spending five, ten minutes sort of mining stuff and collecting things, but I like it so far. Um, I think it's I think it's quite good. It's interesting to, for me to kind of go and play a building game, but I, I wouldn't be playing it if it wasn't sort of Disney themed. So yeah, um, that was uh, pretty good. But yeah, the, the idea is like this land, which is called Dreamlight Valley, got kind of taken over by darkness, you know, that sort mm-hmm. of thing. And you're not really summoned, but you've ended up there somehow and your job is to kind of clean the, the place up and you know bring the light back to the valley I think is the phrase because uh, there's like a Disney castle in there and stuff but it's covered with all these sort of dark vines and you know the, the darkness and stuff so it's pretty interesting so far have you like seen any of it at all? I've seen clips and bits and pieces and it's it sort of obviously it's one of the things because it's on Steam as well and it, it's oh. one of the things that was recommended to me because you know how much I, I like building games and it was sort of intriguing and it's interesting to sort of see if it is on Game Pass I might go and download it because I have got the PC Game Pass but um, basically you're wandering around a Disney world but you can build stuff in it it's described as a a mix of life sim and an adventure game so they're trying to cash in on the what's the hugely popular Nintendo Switch Animal Animal Crossing Crossing. Yeah. yeah So they're sort of trying to get in on that, I think, a little bit, along with sort of having an adventure game thing. They've done stuff like this before, haven't they, I think? They've Maybe. done sort of things which have got all the characters in it and you've sort of, you know, you can meet them and things. So mm-hmm. I might go and take a look at this and see what it's like. Graphically, it looks really good. Yeah, so that's uh, been quite fun. Uh, Last of Us Part 1 came out. We'll talk about the, the trailer for the show here shortly, I, I think, as well. Yeah, the new, well, I say new game, this is... This this is the remake of the 2013 game. Yes. Um, so for those of you that kind of didn't know, obviously Last of Us 1 initially came out on PS3, which is, it's funny to think about that. Like how yeah. how in the distance the PS3 is, because we've had like the 4 and 5, but that franchise started over there. And then the year later, it got remastered for PS4. Basically what that was is because the PS3 was a bad system and the PS4 was out, they made a PS4 version because you have trouble porting PS3 games because yeah. they're awkward. So that was kind of why that happened. And then obviously nearly about like 10 years later or so they made part two and left behind in that time as well so those games what they wanted to do with this was essentially like take the technology that they used in Last of Us Part 2 and some newer technology as well and kind of bring new life to The Last of Us Part 1 uh, with this like really, really special story. So you've got, again, things like the haptic feedback. You've got the adaptive triggers with different things. They put in like the, the workbench from Part 2. They massively, massively upgraded the graphics as well. E- even if you look at the, because they did like some shot by shot screenshot things and they used the PS4 Pro version. And even in the PS4 Pro version as opposed to the PS5, 
because I think when they made part two and they made like these newer character models, they took some of those character models from like flashbacks and stuff and used them for part one. And also with characters that weren't in part two, they like made new character models right. for. Hmm. Um, and also like the interiors and obviously there's a lot of bushes and things like that because nobody's been gardening anything for over 20 years. <laughs> yes. They like redid all that. They redesigned, they graphically redesigned sort of like the whole game which took a bulk of the uh, development because what one area where they kind of were able to save time is on things like dialogue and writing the story because that was already yeah. done um a while ago so it's, they essentially just took all that and then upgraded sort of everything i'll be doing like a full review possibly today maybe later on for the whole game but i i really really like it i did platinum it over the uh last week or so because as neil Druckmann and i think it's matthew something matthew had uh, directed this game neil directed the original too mm-hmm. And they said, like, this is what they look at as sort of the definitive way to play it, because there's now sort of three versions of it. But if you want sort of like the best way to play this game, it's it's with this version. So and to answer the kind of question that goes around about part one as to, OK, is this game worth $70? I don't think it's a simple yes or no. I think it depends on have you played it before? What's your interest level? If you have played it before, do you need to play? Do you want to go back and play it again? If you don't even like the series, then obviously don't bother. So, but it's sort of like if you played it on PS3 or 4 and you really enjoyed the story and don't need to go back, then you kind of don't need this new version if you don't want it. So that's not really a sort of yes or no particular answer. But um, for big sort of fans of the game like me that wanted to go back. I am sort of interested, particularly with the TV series coming mm-hmm. out well next year as you mentioned there is a trailer for the um tv series which went up yesterday i may sort of dive back into this although i haven't got a ps5 at the moment so i don't know whether it's going to be worth my while yet but assuming it either comes on pc or i upgrade my system that may be something that i look at going to uh, take a look at because this is like the they did a remaster didn't they previously and then this yeah. is this is an actual remake i may take a mm-hmm. look at this at some point yeah the, the- the remaster was kind of them saying the PS3 is really, really awkward. Let's just remaster this for PS4. Yeah. It's interesting because they made this new version of PS Plus, right? Where you mm-hmm. can buy slash subscribe whatever to get PS1 and 2 games. And they recently, uh, they celebrated 20 years of Sly Cooper and they put the trilogy and the fourth game on there. And it tells you about how awkward PS3 games are. You can't buy those games. You can only subscribe and stream those games you can't download ps3 games on a on a four or five because they're right. basically really really awkward uh, the, one of the reasons they're really awkward is because the ps3 uses something called a, a cell processor which every sort of dev and person involved with playstation has looked back at that and said like yeah that was a big mistake <laughs> so um yeah this this was the remaster was basically hey this game's really big and important we need it on ps4 so uh but no part one's really really good uh, in terms of your pc comments and stuff they have said that this so this part one this remake is in development for pc but i don't know about that was part two right so yeah that situation at the moment um two other shows that have kind of come back that i've been watching as well high school musical the musical series <laughs> um i've got the season finale sitting there waiting for me and it's been there for about a week or so so this is the third season of the show it's been good in terms of what they've been doing the one kind of out of their hands problem that they had is that olivia rodrigo left this season or was a bit in and out of this season but i think she's like left at the end of season three but then i read some stuff about like hey how can we sort of is she in season four it's a bit sort of all over the place because literally throughout the the season she's kind of 
popping in and out of scenes, popping in and out of parts of the plot and stuff. Obviously, she's got quite busy with her music career and, and things like that. Uh, she, I think she had some sort of documentary come out on uh, Disney Plus and it's just left a big, because she's like one of the major, major characters. She's one of the main two. Mm-hmm. I would say her character and then the other one called Ricky, they're kind of the, they're, they're supposed to sort of be in place of the Zac Efron and Vanessa right, yeah, yeah. Hodges characters in the original films. They're supposed to be sort of in those roles. Not the same characters, but those sort of same roles. Yeah. Because at the end of season two, she kind of says to Ricky and some others about like, hey, I've got offers to go and do my thing, you know, my music thing at this other place. And mm-hmm. then you get like totally separate scenes with her in this season, which I, I understand the situation around it. It just, it didn't help the season. Right. Because her storyline and her stuff that's going on just feels so, it almost feels like a different show in, right. in a way. Um, and her just not because you've got like, you know, the chemistry between the cast and stuff. They really are great characters together. And she's just not there and she's off doing another thing. In terms of the other stuff, so like the music and, and the other stuff that's going on, it's, that, that part's still really great. It's just missing her in this other separate thing. Mm-hmm. We'll see. But I, I haven't seen the finale yet, so I don't know what they do with, with her particular character. Yeah. We shall see. But again, it's, it's not like she had a falling out with anybody or anything. It, it was just a case of, hey, her music career has gotten a bit bigger. I guess there was maybe schedule conflicts or something. Yeah. And she just couldn't really be in this season. Which, to be fair, throughout season two, there's a lot of hints of sort of she's getting offers to do music elsewhere and she's kind of on the out a bit so yeah it's unfortunate when because we've seen things similar to that happen quite often in obviously like Walking Dead where uh, <laughs> yeah. some actors and, and, and people have sort of gone off to do other things some of them have come back some of them haven't it's an unfortunate situation but it kind of caused a bit of an unbalance in this season I think as well so that's kind of unfortunate but I, I will watch the finale at, at some point and kind of go from there because I'm still going to keep watching the show it's mm-hmm. just how they go about doing the show kind of without her going forward I yeah. suppose so uh, one of the shows that's come back that I think has actually improved, uh, Central Park has been running its, its third season so far. I remember saying with last season about it wasn't bad. It was just, it was a bit of a mixed bag of songs that were too long and a bit repetitive and that the stories weren't quite all gelling and sticking together. I think this third season's got a lot of a better flow to it. I thought the structure's a bit better. The storylines are a bit more interesting and, and things like that. Especially like some of the stories that Betsy's going through this season, I think has been quite interesting. She's been a bit more sort of challenged as a character, which has been quite uh, quite fun to see. The songs are a lot better as well. They're a lot sort of not necessarily just shorter but they've got a better flow to them as well mm-hmm. um, and just just in all the little departments from the problems in season two they've kind of cleared things up for season three which which has made this show a lot sort of just better to watch so that's uh, that's been good that that's improved any thoughts on the last two shows there I've never seen High School Musical at all <laughs> uh, and I I watched a few of the Central Park episodes in season one and then never really went back to it it didn't entirely grab me particularly well so mm-hmm. um, great that they're there and people are enjoying them but but they're just not my sort of thing you know <laughs> yeah they also did a voice cast change I remember um, for one of the characters in season 2 I've been trying to work out the whole time who Kristen Bell is voicing because I've been trying to listen out for her voice and it was only in the last episode I actually caught her voice I don't know why I couldn't catch it before but who she's playing now and I was like oh that's who you're playing that's uh, yeah. it's somebody that's sort of tied in with the family still they're like a I think a friend of the family or something but that's quite good so yeah. that's what I've been up to how about you well you've done a couple of games and I'm going to do a couple more because I've been uh, gaming 
as well this week and there's a few new things that came out one of which is one that i've been waiting for for a while which is return to monkey island it's an old school point and click adventure series it's been around oh secret of monkey island first came out in 1990 so uh and, and it was like on the amiga so that was uh, my first experience with it and there were LucasArts pixel graphic pirate adventures with a wonderful sense of humor and comedy to them. They're created by a guy called Ron Gilbert, who did the first two games, which was The Secret of Monkey Island and Monkey Island 2, Chuck's Revenge. They then made a number of others. There's like the Escape from Monkey Island, Curse of Monkey Island, Tales of Monkey Island, but Ron Gilbert had nothing to do with them. When Disney bought LucasArts, they were sort of starting to talk about whether there would be any movement on these sort of properties. And Ron Gilbert apparently sort of said, you know, I'd quite like to either buy the rights to Monkey Island off you or do something with that property. Eventually, it came to pass and Ron Gilbert came back to the franchise and he has a new game called Return to Monkey Island. It's very, very much in the vein of the first two games. It's the closest you are ever going to get to a very classic LucasArts point-and-click adventure. Mm-hmm. Uh, it, it's not pixel art. It is full-blown, beautiful art style, actually. It's, it's a very sort of stylized art style, but they've they've done it really, really well. But in terms of the gameplay, it is very much a sort of standard 2D point-and-click adventure game of, you know, you go around, you pick up various random objects, you use them to interact with other things in the world, you can combine them to make make other things and use them to be able to advance the story. The lead character, Guybrush Threepwood, who is the main character that's been throughout all the games, you start off actually playing his children and uh, it sort of introduces you into it and they're playing around in a theme park based around Guybrush's adventures and it ends up with you getting told this story because uh, it's sort of a slight sort of nudge to the fact that the secret of Monkey Island has never been revealed up until this point despite that being the name of the first game there was never actually a feel as to what it was so the kid is sort of sat with Guybrush going so what was the secret of Monkey Island and then Guybrush goes into this story and you go back and there's a wibbly wobbly timey thing and you, you end up going back in time to Guybrush telling this story and every so often it will cut back to the sort of kid on the bench being told the story by his dad so it introduces a bunch of characters that you've seen in the previous games there's Elaine which is Guybrush's wife, LeChuck, who is the evil zombie pirate that is the nemesis in it. There's Murray, who is the talking skull. There's a voodoo lady. Uh, there's a lot of the characters that have been in the previous games are back in this game as well. It is very much feels like the third part to those first two Ron Gilbert games. So if you like the Monkey Island series, it's very much a game that's worth picking up, is worth playing. It isn't very long i mean i I think i did it in under 10 hours but it's i think it's only like sort of 17 pounds or 20 pounds or something it's not like a full price game anyway Mm. if you like those sort of point and click adventure games it is really worth picking up the first two were great they're some of my favorite games and this one is just a wonderful continuation of that as well it's all fully voiced 
the voice acting's great. The animation style is lovely. Visually, it looks brilliant. I'd be interested to see if they do any more of it after this, but really, really worth picking up. That's Return to Monkey Island. Uh, is that a game series you've actually come across at any point? Because, I mean, it's been around for a long, long time. It's one I've heard a lot about. I know that uh, Neil Druckmann, uh, who's part of The Last of Us and Naughty Dog, he's said a lot of good things about it. I think he said he makes a cameo appearance in this game. I don't know <laughs> if you've come across that. but uh... he, he may do? I, I don't remember spotting him, but maybe he does. Maybe he's a voice somewhere in it. Okay. I've heard a lot of good things about this series, so it uh, it might be one that I, I should check out. I think when I spoke to Nikki Rapp before, who's a voice actress for two characters called Lily, I think she's mentioned, uh, obviously that was going back to like the Telltale days and all that, mm-hmm. um, which I was talking to her about her performance as Lily in Telltale's Walking Dead. She's mentioned it. So um, a, a lot of people sort of around me have mentioned it. So maybe it is a, a game I should probably look at. Yeah, I, I think Telltale did the Tales of Monkey Island games. Yes, they did. They, they, so they, yeah, they, like did, they did one of them. But as I say, this is the sort of Return to Monkey Island is really the third part of that original trilogy after sort of The Secret of Monkey Island and Monkey Island 2. This is really okay. the sort of the third part of that trilogy. The other games weren't Ron Gilbert games. They were done by other people. It's brilliant though. And if you liked those sort of straight up point and click adventures, really worth going to pick up. The other thing on the gaming side of things is uh, Satisfactory finally released Update 6, which is a smaller update than some of the previous ones. Satisfactory, if you've never played it, is a building game where you're dumped on a planet and you have to mine resources and set up a factory to make increasingly complex things to make even more increasingly complex things. I did see a little video that somebody did sort of talking about Satisfactory. It was kind of, okay, so I started this building game and you put down a miner, it takes in 30 ore and puts out 30 bars of metal. That's really easy to work out. And then the next thing I've got to do, each of them takes 15 bars of metal. So I've got to divide that in half. And okay, so I need double the amount of things to make this item. And then it's like, this next thing takes 13.5 bars of metal. Who the hell introduced algebra into my video game? <laughs> <It's, laughs> there is a certain amount of that, but it is really, really good fun. And the The Update 6 adds some really nice little additions. They've made a few interface changes. They've updated the AI on some of the um, wildlife which there is around. They've made some changes to some of the maps, which meant I had to completely restart because I was playing on um, the experimental branch because Update 6 has been out in experimental for a while, but this is like the release onto the early access branch of it. They're very much working up to releasing 1.0 right now now but they made some major changes to one of the areas and it effectively buried half my factory so i had to start again they've made changes to how some of the things progresses they've made changes to the how the skybox works they've added weather in there which wasn't there before so it looks really beautiful they've added things like it used to be a case of you only had one body slot on your character before and now they've had multiple body slots so you can have something on your head and on your feet at the same time which seems like a fairly basic change but it makes such a huge difference to things. They changed the way the mapping system works. So there was a lot of sort of quality of life updates with this update. It's been a wonderful, wonderful game and the developers are very responsive to things. They know how to do things in early access and keep it moving, keep it going, keep the audience engaged. It's a really, really wonderful game, particularly if you like those sort of building games. Update 6 for Satisfactory is out now and that's that's definitely worth checking out. On to TV though, and the big thing this week, 
week have been Star Wars Andor, I would guess more than anything else. Star Wars Andor, which I think a lot of people have been waiting to come out ever since we've seen the trailers, it looked very different to anything else. And I think it's fair to say it is very different to anything else that they've done in Star Wars. There's no Jedi. There's not even really any Empire in this you are, of course, following Cassin Andor, who is the character from uh, Rogue One. It's his backstory. It is a, a set period of time. They've was ordered for two seasons of 12 episodes and that will be it then it will run into the events of Rogue One it's very much sort of telling the story of how Cass and Andor got involved with the rebellion in the first place but the feel of it is very different it feels Star Wars but also not as much the main character in it not a Jedi he's some random guy on a backwater planet that's trying to get by he's a thief essentially but he's stealing from the Empire and he's just trying to get by and an incident happens he needs money so he's trying to get off the planet by selling this thing and he has this contact that knows somebody that will buy it and that's sort of the main setup for the story the main protagonist in it which I find really interesting for this is there is a security service and it's not the Empire they're the sort of people that look after the backwater planet planets that the Empire can't really be bothered to even go and manage. You know, Mm. they're not even worth time to send stormtroopers to. So they've got these security services that are basically Jobsworth kind of policemen that are there to really just manage and look after these systems. And even they aren't doing a brilliant job of it. After this incident, there is one sort of Jobsworth security officer that decides that he's going to go and find Cassinandor and he heads off with a group of people and of course that doesn't go the way that he thinks it's going to go but it's a really really well set up series I found it incredibly engaging and just so different to everything else I'm glad they put those first three episodes out together because there is a very definite arc over those first three episodes and it ends at a really intriguing point I'm very much looking forward to seeing the rest of it they're what 40 minutes long most of the episodes I think in this yeah about that what did you think I think it's all right so far I think my issue towards it is I I didn't really get on with Rogue One as a film right so having a series that connects to that is something I'm just not quite connecting with I still think it's good in places I'm still enjoying some of it but I kind of understand and appreciate what what you said as well because one thing I've spoken about before is like different flexible IP that different studios and companies and streaming services have got which is something that's quite important and Star Wars is a very flexible IP as you said you know there's no Jedi or or really anything like that here no sort of like bounty hunters and Mandalorians and characters like that so it's something different and that's what you should be doing with a flexible IP like Star Wars is not always just having like hey another person with a lightsaber and that sort of thing which to be fair is what Mandalorian did really really well at the start to differentiate itself it was like hey this isn't another thing about Ray or mm-hmm. Luke or anybody like that it's it's about this other bounty hunter person which is quite cool so I like that that is a thing that continues 
continues to happen. It's just that this particular thing just hasn't connected with me as much. But again, that's because I didn't majorly enjoy the the film that this is connected to. But no, I'll I'll watch uh, the rest of it still. As you said, it's, it's it's quite short, isn't it? It's like a limited series. Yeah. Idea. So um, I'll I'll still go through it and finish it, and hopefully I enjoy it more as we uh, go on. Yeah, I'm finding the story interesting and engaging and different. I like the fact that they've not used Tatooine for the millionth time. It's it's <laughs> yeah. a bunch of different planets that yeah, no, no more desert. It's a bunch of different planets that sort of industrial. They're ones that we've not really seen. They're forgotten backwater things that are kind of overlooked by the Empire. That's like I say, they're so unbothered by these planets that they just sent a random civilian security force to go and look after them rather than even bother sending stormtroopers to do it. So th- mm-hmm. that's what I really like about this. It's, it's an area of the universe we've never seen before. And I think obviously the whole thing is about the building up and the recruitment of people into the rebellion. I mean, that's where we're sort of building towards. And to do that in this and the fact that these are sort of backwater ignored planets and that's where where bits of the rebellion is sort of starting to rise, that I find a quite an interesting sort of premise mm-hmm. as well. Diego Luna is, is great as Casson. Uh, you get some of his backstory in flashback as well as where he actually started him sort of as a child and they show a couple of bits of that as well. It is well, well worth going to watch. It's an interesting, very texturally different show to anything else that we've had. So I would highly recommend going to look at that. The first three episodes are up now and then the rest of it is coming out weekly. And the other thing that returned was Ghosts, which not really a lot to say about Ghosts other than it is more of the same. It's wonderfully funny. It's a lovely, lovely comedy on the BBC. That The whole thing is actually up on iPlayer, so you don't have to wait for it to go out weekly. You can go and just binge your way through it on iPlayer right now. I really enjoy that show. It's so wonderfully fun and funny. And they've just got their first guests at the B&B. They've got the gatehouse open as a sort of Airbnb kind of setup, and uh, it opens with the first guests there. So uh, that I'm just finding really fun and really enjoyable. So worth going to check that out. But that's all up on iPlayer if you want to go and check that. So that's all the stuff we've been doing this week. Let's move on to some TV and film news. 
Chelsea. But no, this wasn't something I actually caught. Was it on Sky over here then? It was on Stars Play over here, which is probably why you didn't manage to catch it. Oh, so maybe. Yeah. Um, but it was a Peacock show in the US. It is a shame because you know Gray seemed to quite like it and said it was it wasn't just a straight remake of the beloved original UK version. It was a very different sort of updated version of the show. So it's a shame that that's not gone further. But uh, that's been cancelled after one season. On the renewal side, Reservation Dogs that's been renewed for a third season on Hulu. That runs on Disney Plus over here. I tried a few episodes of that. Really didn't land with me. I, I struggled with it. Uh, that's the Taika Wahiti show and uh, Love on the Spectrum has been renewed for a second season at Netflix as well so those are the two renewals in pickups and other news the Doctor Who special the the final outing for Jodie Whittaker that has now been given a title it's called The Power of the Doctor it's coming in October they have released a few pictures as well we know the master is going to be in it and it's going to have Daleks and Cybermen so so that will be all them together for the first time in a very long while that they're all going to be on the same show they also showed some photos of Sophie Aldridge who reprises a role as Ace the Seventh Doctor's companion and Janet Fielding is back as Teagan as well who was a companion for the fourth and fifth doctors so um kind of throwing everything with the kitchen sink at it for this but that's fine it is the last outing for Jodie Whittaker it's the last bit of Chris Chibnall writing before Russell T Davies takes back over again and Shooty Gatwa takes over as well well we don't know because there is some suspicion that there have been suggestions and we don't know whether this is true so I can say it because it's all rumor but there has been some suggestion that it's possible that Jodie actually regenerates back into David Tennant for a little bit before David Tennant regenerates into Shuti Gatwa. That's been one suggestion of how the David Tennant stuff fits in because we do know that David Tennant is coming back as well. It's mm. going to be an interesting one, that, to see what happens. Are you up to date on Doctor Who or did you drop out at one point? I, um, I, I didn't see those. Was it those six Christmas episodes or whatever it oh, was? Yeah, the I, I never quite one. got around to them. Yeah. But I heard so many endlessly bad things about those episodes that it really put me off yeah it's a shame because i really liked jodie's companions i really liked her herself as well as the doctor it was just the writing around everything and i kind of keep thinking like should i push my way through those six episodes and then watch this so i can fully see all of jodie's run as the doctor which i do want to do i just got really put off by like almost everybody on like facebook and twitter and everybody else being like this is what what is this rubbish and i was like oh how bad is this thing so i don't know i will pick up with it again at some point i i do have the interest to at least finish jodie's run in some way shape or form and then see the new Doctor come in certainly, especially with uh, Russell coming back, which should be great. So yeah. I'm not like on the outs on Doctor Who. I just kind of want to figure out where to jump back in. I guess. Yes, I hope Jodie has a long and successful career with Big Finish after this, because a lot of the Doctors that have been served badly on TV have gone on to have incredible careers doing the Doctor on the Big Finish audio adventures. Uh, Paul McGann being the obvious one, who's essentially kept the franchise alive single-handedly with Big Finish until it came back with Russell. T. Davis. He had a great run on that. Colin Baker has done some really good work in the Big Finish audio stuff. And there is nothing wrong with Jodie's Doctor. She's been superb in that role. She's really yeah. embodied it so well. But the writing has been awful. I mean, the Flux run, a lot of people got upset because it had some major, major changes to the background of the character and messed around with the mythology quite a lot. And I think that's what upset people more than anybody else. But overall, 
I didn't mind those episodes so much. It's still not brilliant writing, but it wasn't as bad as I think some people made out it was. Okay. So I would maybe go and watch those and then do this final thing and then we'll see what happens when Russell comes back. I wish Jodie had been served better. I would have liked to have seen the season with Russell writing her because I think that would have been really, really interesting to see, but not to be, unfortunately. We haven't got a date for that yet, but it is coming in October, they have said keep an eye out for that and that's Doctor Who The Power of the Doctor few advanced air dates we've got uh, War of the Worlds Season 3 that's landing on the 19th of October on Disney Plus I'm looking forward to that coming back because that's been a really good series I really enjoyed those two seasons I have no idea where the third season's going to go no but uh, we will we will find out Let the Right One In which is a horror series based on the sort of child vampire movie that came out this is a series based around that same premise that's coming on the 8th of October to Paramount Plus and uh, Chapelweight, which is uh, the Stephen King adaptation of Jerusalem's Lot, I think it is. That is coming on the 19th of October to Paramount Plus, and uh, that's been getting some really good reviews. So there's some interesting stuff coming on streaming services to, to keep an eye out for there. There was another bit of news that dropped as well. It was about James Earl Jones, who is, of course, the voice of Darth Vader, amongst many other things, but I mean, that's mm-hmm. what particularly he's uh, known for. And and uh, he has announced that he's retiring from the role, but he has signed the rights to use his voice over to Lucasfilm and the Ukrainian company Respeecher, who is the tech startup that uses archival recording footage to create new conversations. It's what they did to create the voice of young Luke in the uh, Book of Boba Fett uh-huh. series. So it's going to be using that. I actually think this could work quite well with Darth Vader because Darth Vader is a fairly emotionless voice. anyway it didn't work great for luke they did a reasonable job with it but i don't think it quite landed whereas i think you could do it with darth vader quite well because it is a fairly measured performance anyway i think this could work quite well for them and i'm glad that they're managing to do it this way and he's agreed to sign the voice rights over to them rather than them getting an impressionist to come and do it which i mean i'm sure that there are a million people out there i'm sure can do an impression of james L. <laughs> being darth vader but but yes i mean it's, it's quite nice that they've gone down this route so it it means that he's going to be the voice of it which is really really good mm-hmm. um, i mean the guy is 90 something i mean it's fair enough i think he's, re- uh, he's yeah uh, yeah he's, he's he served us very very well yeah in a really w- one of the most iconic roles ever really for, for Darth Vader obviously he's done other roles he's been in the Lion King and whatnot but it's, it's such an iconic voice isn't it especially Darth Vader himself even just the breathing of Darth Vader is is very iconic you know you hear that and you start to panic he's been a legend obviously for the Star Wars franchise and in whatever way they can work it obviously this was more of like a prequel-ish sort of fill in the gap type thing with the Obi-Wan series but it got us back with Obi-Wan and Darth Vader which is always a good thing so if they can find like slots of story Story to put mm-hmm. Darth Vader in. It's never going to be a bad thing, is it? Because Darth Vader is always very engaging to, to watch as a character. Yeah, thanks to James Earl Jones for serving us incredibly well with Darth Vader. Yeah, they actually did use, I think, some of the re-speecher stuff for the Obi-Wan series as well. So, that, yeah. so uh, James Earl Jones was involved at that point, but it was more as a sort of guidance rather than him doing all the voices for it. They actually snuck it in to test it out. And I think it worked really well in there. It also helps the fact that you're not going to lip sync it to anything, you know, because nope. it's under the mask. No. So, yeah. so I, I, I think, I think this is a really good idea. It's a great way of doing it. Have a happy retirement, James. You've earned it. 
I'm glad that we'll get his voice to continue on with this. Moving on to Netflix, who had a major bunch of announcements. I mean, like lots and lots of announcements this week because they had their Tudum special event, which is the sort of fan event where they release lots of dates and videos and all sorts of things and announce shows. And it ran for, well, it ran sort of all day because they separated it up. So there was a South Korean segment and a Japanese segment. We're focusing mainly on the sort of rest of the world bit of it here. But uh, even in that segment, they announced just a load of like dates and things and videos. And there's, oh, we'll let you know, there's there's a post up on the website. There are trailers for some of these. There are not everything, but there are trailers for some of these as well. I've reordered them from how they announced them into date order as well. So you'll know when things are coming. Cool. The first one by date order, which did have a trailer going up, was called The Watcher. It's uh, coming on the 13th of October. It's from Ryan Murphy, the creator of anything from Glee to American Horror Story. It stars Bobby Cavalier as Dean and Naomi Watts as Nora Brannock, who just purchased their dream home in the idyllic suburb of Westfield, New Jersey. But after putting all of their savings into closing the deal, they soon realise the neighbourhood is less than welcoming. A kooky older woman named Pearl, played by Mia Farrow, and her brother Jasper, played by Terry Kinney, who sneak into Brannock's house and hide their dumb waiter. There's Karen, played by Jennifer Coolidge, the realtor and an old acquaintance of Nora's who makes them feel like they don't really belong. And nosy neighbour Mitch, played by Richard Kind and Moe, played by Margot Martindale, who don't seem to understand the property lines. Their icy welcome quickly turns into a full-blown living hell when an ominous letter from someone called themselves the Watcher starts to arrive, terrorising the Brannocks to their breaking point as the neighbourhood's sinister secrets come spilling out. This is apparently based on a true story as well, which is uh, something that Ryan Murphy has caught done on various other projects before. This sounds like it's going to be really interesting and creepy and very much a Ryan Murphy series. It's called The Watcher. It's coming out on the 13th of October. Any interest in that one? Maybe, maybe. It just, and I don't mean to like keep bringing this up with Netflix, but when it comes out, will we know? (laughs) Well, Uh, yes. Because unless you're the new Jeffrey Dahmer thing and everybody's talking about it, not everything on Netflix gets noticed. My same thing for that applies for all of these announcements. It might be a great series, and if it is, that's that's very good. But yeah, they still have that same problem. It does have the advantage that this is a one-off, so I don't think this oh, is right. no designed... no renewal cancellation as, thing. Yeah, yeah, so no renewal cancellation. I think this is a one-off thing that they're doing. It seems like it's going to be a self-contained story. I, I'm not 100% on that, but it, that's certainly how it comes across. Okay. There is a film called The School for Good and Evil, which which is coming on the 19th of October. In the village of Galverdon, two misfits and best friends, Sophie, played by Sophia and Caruso, and Agatha, played by Sophia Weil, share the unlikeliest of bonds. Sophie, a golden head, seems drift dreams of escaping her daily life to become a princess, while Agatha, with her grim aesthetic and offbeat mother, has the makings of a real witch. One night under a blood-red moon, a powerful force sweeps them away to the school for good and evil, where the true stories behind every great fairy tale begin begins. Something is amiss from the start. Sophie is dropped off at the School for Evil, run by the glamorous and acid-tongued Lady Lesso, played by Cherise Theron, and Agatha at the School for Good, overseen by the sunny and kind Professor Dove, played by Kerry Washington. Yes, they're sort of backwards by the sounds of it. But um, yeah, it, this sounds like it could be quite an interesting and fun film. It's got a sort of fish-out-of-water thing going on, but that's called the uh, School for Good and Evil. That's coming on the 19th of October. Stick 
sticking with films, there is a trailer up for Enola Holmes 2, and they did a little sort of bit about that. That's coming on the 4th of November. So if you like the first one, the second one will be coming. I saw the first film. Uh, it's got Millie Bobby Brown yes. as Enola and Henry Cavill, if Warner Brothers remembers him. Uh, yes. They've got uh, him. He's playing uh, Sherlock Holmes, so adding more great characters to his CV. You know, Superman, and you've got Geralt, and now you've got Sherlock Holmes. It's a pretty great film. It was a pretty good, fun time. I reviewed it when it came out a couple of years ago, and I've been sort of tracking when the announcement for this would be coming out because I kind of speculated at the time, like, hey, you could do a Sherlock Holmes film that's just Henry Cavill's character. You could do obviously a sequel. You could do you know both of them in in the film again, which it looks like this is going to be doing. Yes, as well as the Last of Us trailer, I kind of noticed that this went up yesterday as well. So mm. trailer for. The this looks great. I'm, I'm looking forward to it. And we'll see if they do like a, a third one or a Sherlock Holmes film after this because you've, you've got a couple of options, which is good. But it also helps that you've got Stranger Things star and obviously somebody who used to kind of be Superman and is still uh, you <laughs> Maybe know, Superman. Um, play, yes. playing Geralt as well. So, yeah. um, so you've you got a couple of people that are on your same platform, obviously, you know, The Witcher and L from Stranger Things. So, but yeah, I'm looking forward to that. Uh, yeah. No, yeah, November 4th, isn't it? So November 4th soon. for that. Also on November 4th, you've got Manifest Season 4 Part 1 landing. So this is the first part of the final season of Manifest. We knew that was the date already, but they've actually put a trailer up for it now. So uh, I'm I'm really interested to see how that story ends. I know it's he had, I think, six seasons planned, so it's going to be a little bit compressed, but it is longer. There are more episodes in the full season than they would have been had it stayed on network TV. So I, you, you sort of getting a season and a half rather than two more seasons basically or three more seasons so they're, they're going to have to have cut it down a little bit but he did have a plan for how it was going to end so uh, hopefully he's managed to find a way of working that into it but the trailer looks really good and that's landing on the 4th of November on the 9th of November The Crown returns for a fifth season there was no trailer for this they did show a little clip of it in the actual Tadum live stream presentation, but it didn't show off an awful lot. It was basically just a sort of slow camera pans of Charles and Diana, which of course is the main sort of focus of this fifth season because it was their marriage breakdown and all that sort of stuff. So that's where we are with The Crown. That's season five. I think there's one more season to come after this, but that's landing on the 9th of November. That was the sort of big date announcement for that. Then we have a new show called 1899, which comes on the 17th of November. It's from the creators of Dark. It's an eight-episode series which follows the mysterious circumstances around the voyage of an immigrant ship from Europe to New York. The passengers, all of different backgrounds and nationalities, are united in their hopes and dreams for a new century and their future abroad. When they discover a second ship adrift on the open sea that had gone missing for months, their journey takes an unexpected turn. What they find on board will turn their passage into the promised land into a nightmare-like riddle connecting each of the passengers' pasts through a web of secrets. That sounds like an interesting and very dark series, which, I mean, coming from the creators of Dark, that that seems seems quite fun. Uh, but 17th of November, yeah. if you fancy yeah. that. Yeah, that sounds kind of interesting. I'll try to notice when that comes out. So. <laughs> yes, but 1899, that one is called. Dead to Me also got a date for its third and final season. That's on the 17th of November, 
I think there's a trailer for that as well. That's been a while. It's been a couple of years since the yeah. second season came out. But uh, so I, I want to see how they're going to end that. And it was one of those shows, which I think three seasons is fine for that. Yeah, yeah. You're not going to get five, eight, ten seasons out of this show. Because, <laughs> so. you know, there is always a big twist towards the end of it, which we won't go into, but there is always a big twist towards the end. And there is only so many times you can get away with doing that and making it work. Yeah, so, uh, yeah. so I think third and final season is absolutely fine for this. It's been brilliant. It's wonderfully fun, dark sort of murder mystery comedy. 17th of November for Dead to Me season three. Yeah, it's a great show. Looking forward to having that back. Also on the 17th of November, you've got Glass Onion, which is an expansion to the Knives Out series. It's Glass Onion, a Knives Out mystery. Benotic Blank returns to peel back the layers of a new Ryan Johnson whodunit. This fresh adventure finds the intrepid detective at a lavish private estate on a Greek island, but how and why he comes to be there is the only of first of many puzzles. Blank soon meets a distinctly disparate group of friends who gather at the invitation of billionaire Miles Bronn for their yearly reunion. Amongst those on the guest list are Miles' former business partner Andy Brand, current Connecticut governor Claire Dubella, cutting-edge scientist Lionel Toussaint, fashion designer and former model Birdie J, and her conscientious assistant Peg, an influencer Duke Cody, and his psychic girlfriend Whiskey. As in all the best murder mysteries, each character harbours their own secrets, lives, and motivations. When somebody turns up dead, everybody is a suspect. Returning to the franchise, he began Academy Award nominee filmmaker Ryan Johnson writes and directs, and assembles the North Star cast, which sees the return of Daniel Craig alongside Ed Norton, Catherine Han, Leslie. Jr., Jessica Henwick, Madeline Klein, Kate Hudson, and Dave Batista in there. Oh, yeah, interesting yeah. collection of people. Yeah, I really enjoyed the the first film when it came out a few years ago. I can't remember the the exact money amount, but Netflix has put a lot of money into this film, right? Uh, and particularly into, I think they they paid quite a lot of money for two films. I think it was that was on top of the reported amount that they paid Daniel Craig. Obviously, he's kind of the, the star of this, mm-hmm. and then plus you've got to you know pay everybody else and pay for everything else and then pay for marketing. So they've paid the, a lot of money for this. So hopefully it's good. But um, if you've got kind of the same people like you got Ryan Johnson coming back, you've got Daniel Craig coming back, hopefully it'll be as good and as fun as the, the first one was because I, I did enjoy that film. Yeah, I haven't seen the first movie. I do want to go and watch it. I just haven't got around to it yet. I'm terrible at keeping up with I think with it's films. on Amazon. I, I think it is, yes. Yeah, I'm I don't think it's sure. on Netflix. That's called Glass Onion and Knives Out Mystery and that's on the 17th of November that lands. 23rd of November, we have Wednesday Landing, which I think we got the date for that last week, but they did drop a new clip up, which is quite fun. It's Wednesday versus Thing. Thing has basically been sent with Wednesday because she's at this boarding school and it's uh, been sent to spy on her without her knowledge. And it's her negotiating with Thing whether he should be reporting back to the family or whether he's kind of going to help her out and stuff. But uh, so there's a really fun little clip. It looks really good, this show. That's sort of Wednesday from the Adams family. And it's a slightly different take on it with Wednesday at the boarding school and it's from Tim Burton but 23rd of November for that there is another film called Slumberland which comes on the 24th of November they put a little clip up for this it takes the audience onto a magical place a dream world where precocious Nemo played by Marlon Berkeley and her eccentric companion Flip played by Jason Momoa embark on an adventure of a lifetime after her father Pete played by Kyle Chandler is unexpectedly lost to sea young Nemo's idyllic Pacific Northwest existence is completely 
upended when she's sent to live in the city with her well-meaning and deeply awkward uncle Philip, played by Chris O'Dowd. Her new school and new routine are challenged by day, but at night a secret map to the fantastical world of Slumberland connects Nemo to Flip, a rough-around-the-edges but lovable outlaw who quickly becomes her partner and guide. She and Flip soon finds themselves on an incredible journey traversing dreams and fleeing nightmares where Nemo begins to hope that she will be reunited with her father once again. It sounds like a sort of pretty fun, feel-good family film, that one. But yeah, Jason Momoa is usually very watchable. Chris O'Dowd's mm-hmm. really funny. Carl Chandler's great. I don't really know Marlo Barkley, but yeah, Slumberland, that's called, and 24th of November for that one. Yeah, it sounds like it might be fun. Jason is very good at doing both quite serious stuff and more fun sort of things. Like, you see the more fun side of him in Aquaman, and then you see the more dramatic side of him in uh, C. Yeah. He's very good to watch, yeah. Yeah, 24th of November, Slumberland, that is, if you want to check that. There was a very, very quick announcement, which, given it's coming in December, I was surprised they didn't say a little bit more about this, but 16th of December, there is a series called The Recruit. Stars Noah Centineo, who was from The Fosters, has announced the title of his new series called The Recruit. December 16th is the premiere date, and they released an image for it as well. Recruit stars Noah as a fledgling lawyer at the CIA who becomes enmeshed in a dangerous international power politics when a former asset threatens to expose the agency. That's the setup for it. It's a series, it was fairly low-key, and it was it was kind of less than a minute, that announcement. So, mm. I mean, I'm surprised they didn't put a trailer up for that, given that it's supposed to be out in December, but, you know, there you go. It's called The Recruit. It's 16th of December. Um, there's that. The Witcher, there was a couple of announcements for when they are landing. The Witcher Blood Origin, which is the spin-off thing which is a sort of uh, limited series that's landing on the 25th of december so uh, if you want something to do on christmas day after you've stuffed your face with turkey then uh, blood origin is is going to be out then you can binge your way through that the witcher season three they are said is coming summer 2023 which i don't think is any surprise we knew that was going to be a little bit off going to take a little while to land but um, oh that wasn't going to come out this year no so, that, that, you know, we knew that was that was going to be a while off yet. Yeah. Usually with these things, you have, what, 18 months to two years? Yeah. The break between one and two was two years. So 18 months for this, roughly. Sounds about right. Yeah, you've got Blood Origin on the 25th of December, so that will tide you over. And then Witcher Season 3 in summer 2023. It was kind of disappointing when Season 2 came out, and not many people were really, not at least in the same way that when Season 1 came out. I, I didn't see a lot of online discussion about The Witcher Yeah, when Season 2 came out. I did when season one came out but not with season two so hopefully uh i don't know people notice season three more or i, I don't know what the what exactly happened yeah i i don't know it seems to have gone down fairly well and i mean it got itself a people seem to have liked it yeah. yeah so so we'll see it's uh but yes third season in the summer next year you season four part one that is going to be split into two parts for the new season of you there is a trailer up for that as well it's our, our main guy has moved to london for this series part one drops on the 10th of February next year and part two will drop on the 10th of March. So that's going to be split into two bits, which they've started doing with some of their series. I don't know what the reason for that, but that's what they're doing. They've not said it's a final season or anything. So that's you season four. I'm way behind on that. Is that one that you would think, because you've seen more of 
that I think than I have. And though Gray's watched some of it. How long can that guy do that for? Well, I mean, they started it off in, is he in New York, I think. And then he was in so. Los Angeles and then they moved him somewhere else. And now he's in London. So it's one of those things that, yeah, that I don't know how long you can keep that up for. Yeah. Um, whether this ends up being a final season, I don't know, but they've split it into two parts. So, uh, mm-hmm. but they did that with Stranger Things and Stranger Things has got one more season to go after this as well. Mm. So that worked quite well with Stranger Things. Mm-hmm. Those last two episodes, just, just that little gap. It wasn't like a massive, massive jump. It was just a little gap to build that bit of, you know, what's going to happen with Vecna and all this other kind of stuff. It was, uh, I, I thought that played out quite well. Yeah. Even though the episodes are really, really long, but still. <laughs> yeah, yeah. They're doing the same thing with this. So it's going to be a month break basically between the release yeah. of the first half and the second half. I, I think they should keep doing that with some of their shows. Just break things up a little bit more. Mm-hmm. I think it's an interesting strategy. Yeah. 10th of February for the first part of that and then 10th of March for the second part of you season four. There were clips and trailers for a few other things as well, although not dates. Queen Charlotte, a Bridgerton story, which is a spin-off from the main Bridgerton thing. That's coming in 2023 and they released the first clip of that. There is a clip for Vikings Valhalla season two that they've said is coming in 2023 and there was a trailer for Outer Banks season three, which is a show which is way more fun and entertaining than it has any right to be. But <laughs> uh, that's that's coming in 2023 as well. So uh, there are no exact dates for those, but we know they're all coming next year there was a sneak peek at shadow and bone season two no date for that but presumably that's going to be next year as well and lupin season three again no date but there was a trailer for that as well that's pretty much everything that was announced at the sort of rest of the world bit of the to dumb announcements. There's some interesting stuff in there. It still has this problem of them not really promoting things well enough, but you know. Yeah, I mean- they, they've still just got the problem of too much stuff and not enough promotion for things. Mm-hmm. Their idea of quantity over quality, I, I don't think it... They still make some great shows that we all enjoy, like The Witcher and Stranger Things, obviously, and different things like that. But I, I really think they've got to calm down with just the, 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 the joke isn't there about like Netflix green lights, everything. That joke has almost kind of turned into reality. Yeah. Unless you're getting ready to be renewed for your fourth season uh, in, <laughs> in that case. But I spoke about this yesterday on The Last of Us thing. HBO and Apple have taken kind of similar approaches, which is you've got fewer shows, but like, like you look at the production quality of something like A House of the Dragon, or I know we've only had the trailer, but for The Last of Us, and the production quality there Mm -hmm. and there isn't there isn't tons of HBO shows and they sort of rotate them really well in a good schedule and Apple sort of does the same thing as well they're the only two that really kind of do that and I think Netflix needs to try and I know it's because their release model is different and everything like that, but I think they've just got to make some adjustments and just, just stop making so much stuff because yeah. most of it isn't being seen or even being noticed. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, unless you're one of the bigger things like, you know, The Crown or Witcher or Stranger Things, you know, these things that win Emmys that stand out. If you're one of these other smaller things, it's a problem for them. Yes, it is. And I think people are very nervous about starting new shows on Netflix because... Understandable, yeah. You can get really, really into something and then, oh, it's cancelled, you know. And I think that has been putting people off quite a lot and mm. you know like you say you look at people like apple in particular who, who just knock it out of the park every single time i mean there's very rare they have a dud show on that streaming service and there aren't that many of them but they're all top quality so Speaking of HBO, they are mm-hmm. developing a new series based on Scanners, the sort of 80s movies franchise. They've got David Cronenberg, who is the person behind it, 
they've got him back exec producing on the new series uh, if you're unfamiliar with the original movies it was a sort of sci-fi horror set in a world where a small number of men and women known as scanners are born with this incredible telepathic and telekinetic powers well some use this power safely it can also be used to cause damage pain and even death there's a uh, the, lot of the video covers have people's heads exploding on it uh, just to give you some idea well you, you see that in the boys every single episode well that's so. true yes uh, we follow uh, Cameron Vale, a vagrant derelict who accidentally causes seizure on somebody in a mall using his telepathy. He's captured by a security company called Consec, who recruit Vale to infiltrate an underground group of rogue scanners led by a guy called Daryl Revoke, who was played by Michael Ironside in the movie, who is planning to create a race that will rule the world. That was the sort of setup for uh, the world that you're kind of in. So you've got these, these sort of people that have these telekinetic powers and some are using them for good and some are using them for evil. Hmm. Um, potential new series is described as a visceral thriller set in the mind-bending world of David Cronenberg's seminal film. Pursued by relentless agents with unimaginable powers, two women living on the fringe of modern society must learn to work together to topple a vast conspiracy determined to bring them to heel. That is the uh, setup for it. So it sounds like it's going to be you. You're following two people who are being hunted down by consec agents. I would guess that sounds like that. William Bridges is set as the writer and showrunner of the potential series. He was the person that wrote the USS Callister episode of Black Mirror, and he's also worked on things like Stranger Things and the AMC anthology series Soulmates as well. Jan Demange, who worked on Top Boy, Lovecraft County, and Secret Diary of a Call Girl, is set to direct it as well. I mean, there's some good people behind it, and um, mm. I think it's an interesting setup. It's kind of an intriguing world. It's a well-known brand to people of a certain age. So mm-hmm. don't know whether you've stumbled across any of the scanner stuff. I mean, it's going back a bit. I, I might have heard of it in passing somewhere. It does ring like a small bell. The description you've said here sounds really quite promising. I always like shows about people with powers. I mean, I liked most of Heroes as well. Yeah. Uh, those sorts of things. So it doesn't always have to be Marvel and DC. There are other things out there. You know, with people with powers, obviously you've got things like, um, well, Elle's got powers in Stranger Things. Yeah. But you've also got things like, you know, Umbrella Academy, all, the, all these other sort of comic booky sort of things as well. So it doesn't always have to be the Marvel and DC stuff because there isn't really a ton of other shows not connected to like comic booky sort of stuff about people with powers so yeah. uh, if this is more in that sort of vein that sounds quite interesting HBO behind it so we know the quality should be there at least so yeah I'll, I'll try and keep an eye out for this it sounds uh, quite interesting yeah they are developing at the moment so there's no guarantee that it will go to series but they seem fairly well set up I mean if mm-hmm. they've got a director signed on they've got a writer signed on um, no casting yet but it's, it's early days so, uh, yeah, that, that, I think that has a fairly good chance. Moving over on to Apple, we get to find out what Vince Gilligan of Breaking Bad and Better Call Saul is doing next. He's landed at Apple after apparently there was a lot of money being thrown around. At, uh, at I wonder this, why. This. Uh, yes, at Vince for, for this, and he was sort of yeah picking and choosing what he wanted to do. He eventually landed at Apple with a two-season straight-to-series order for a, a series which is currently known as the Untitled Vince Gilligan Project. It's uh, Vince Gilligan' first thing since finishing with the, or at least resting the Breaking Bad franchise. I mean, we don't know whether he's ever going to go back to it, but uh, certainly that's the case. And uh, he's bringing Rhea Seahorn along as well, who played Kim Wexler in Better Call Saul, who, uh, you know, he's, he's 
great that she's coming along with him on this. Mm-hmm. We don't know exactly what the new show is going to be about. It's been described as a blended grounded genre drama that was something that was a bit more sort of Twilight Zone than grounded in the same way of Breaking Bad. It's going to be a little bit more leaning onto the sci-fi side of things by the sounds of it, which I think is kind of interesting. We do know that there were a lot of people lined up to hear Gilligan's pitch for it. He's looking at around 14 million per episode for the project as well. So <laughs> it's not a cheap thing to uh, to make. And you, but, you, you'll get your money's worth, don't worry. Yeah, but Apple has the money to spend on this. I mean, you know, they've got deep pockets. They've got a bit of money. Yeah, it's uh, Sony Pictures Television who are the uh, company that are producing it and it's going to be his first project since finishing with Breaking Bad and Better Call Saul. After 15 years, I figured it was time to take a break from writing anti-heroes and who's more heroic than the brilliant Rhea Seahorn. It's long past time she had her own show. I feel lucky to be working with her, he said. I really like that he's brought Rhea along with this. I think Definitely. she was great as Kim in Better Call Saul and um, I'm just really excited to see what he does. In terms of this, I don't even really care what this is about because it's got Vince Gilligan and Rhea Seahorn and unless somebody else messes this up, I don't I don't know how this could possibly go wrong because we've seen Rhea's incredible acting who's somehow not won an Emmy for Better Call Saul yet, which is a crime. We've seen more so in kind of, as Better Call Saul went on and on, saw more depth to Kim and figuring out the mystery of what happened to her and all that sort of stuff or where she was in you know, Breaking Bad, that type of thing. Mm-hmm. Uh, and that was uh, incredibly engaging and really, really well written. And yeah, to me, Breaking Bad's still the best thing I've seen on TV. And Vince Gilligan was one of the ones that made it and obviously was part of Better Call Saul. So you've got two incredibly talented people on this and the production and the trust with Apple as well. Uh, you know, as we've said before, in, with, with uh, quality over quantity. So no red flag so far with this. I think this has got a lot of promise behind it. And we don't even know what it's about. Yeah, I mean, sort of implies that it's going into the slightly sort of weirder, more fantastical areas with it sort of being a bit more Twilight zone which mm-hmm. he has experience on. I mean, his TV career started out working on the X-Files and he developed the Lone Gunman spin-off series as well. And, uh, you know, so he, he has background in doing that sort of weird sci-fi type of stuff. It's nice to see him go back to that and taking a break from the grounded things that he did with Better Call Saul. I, I, mm-hmm. I love those shows. I'm really interested to see where this goes and um, what it ends up actually being. And I'm glad to see Rhea in there as well. So I'm with you. I, I think it's going to be definitely one to look out for we don't know when that's going to land we just know that that's all the case yeah take your time i'd rather you spend time building it than uh, rush it out and apple doesn't from what i understand apple doesn't tend to really rush things as much so this isn't like a network season where it's like hey you have to start a new season of the flash by october yeah sort of thing so and two season order straight off the bat as well for that so good we'll bring you more on that when we know more about it but that's all the news for this week just some highlights for next week on tv So highlights for next week, we have Nine Perfect Strangers, which is the limited series that's landing on Channel 4 on the 28th of September at 10pm. That had previously run on Amazon, I think in the UK, but that's the network premiere of it, but that's Nine Perfect Strangers. This England, which is the limited series which has Ken Branagh starring as Boris Johnson, that's coming to Sky Atlantic on the 28th of September at 9pm. 
The Mighty Ducks Game Changes Season 2, that returns on the 28th of September as well. The Old Man finally lands on Disney+. Plus. That's on the 28th of September. I think we're probably the last territory in the world to have that because it seems to have aired on like Disney Plus and everywhere mm-hmm. else before us. That is landing on Disney Plus on the 28th of September. That's the uh, Jeff Bridges series about a retired CAA operative that gets forced back into the world he thought he'd left behind. Fantasy Football League returns with Matt Lucas and Ellis James as hosts. That's on Sky Max. That's on the 29th of September at 10pm. Taskmaster returns on Channel 4. That's for season 14. That's on the 29th of September at 9pm. There is a show called Coyote coming to Paramount Plus on the 3rd of October. That stars Michael Chiklis as a US Border Patrol agent who finds himself working for the very people he'd previously been trying to stop. That looks like it could be quite interesting. I think that's dropping as a box set and that's on Paramount Plus on the 3rd of October. That's called Coyote. And then The Walking Dead returns on the 3rd of October. That's for season Season 11C, the final, final, final part of The Walking Dead, the main show. I'm looking forward to see how that ends, but that's the 3rd of October and that's on Disney Plus as well. That's all the stuff we've got coming this week on TV. If people want to find more of you, where can they find you? They can find me over on entertainmenttalk.org or your favourite podcast platforms by searching for the same name. A few big episodes I did recently, those of you that know me, obviously I love Toy Story very, very much. I had my first ever interview, was it two weeks ago? Time flies. Very, very recently i got the chance to interview angus mclean who's the director of lightyear yeah which is the uh, prequel spin-off backstory kind of thing for buzz lightyear so that was kind of surreal to actually speak to a real director of a real <laughs> toy story film it's only 30 minutes but it was a very precious 30 minutes so i was uh, very very happy to do that that was awesome to do an episode i kind of forgot to mention before i one that i dropped last month which was me giving a kind of a personal thank you to love victor because it had been a year since i'd come out and it was me kind of talking about um, how the show massively helped me with, with all that and talking about, you know, that was after I finished the show. So the third season had come out and all that. So that was really good. Uh, me and David, hopefully tomorrow will be doing a preview podcast for the last bunch of episodes for The Walking Dead. As we just mentioned, that's back next week. Seen very little promotion from AMC for that, oddly. So I'm going to have to look again at some yeah. trailers and things like that. So that's coming back next week. Uh, did a uh, full breakdown. And when I say full breakdown, I mean about 40 minutes worth of The Last of Us TV show trailer. Obviously, the trailer came out yesterday on HBL on YouTube uh, so did a long long breakdown for that I will be at some point I don't know when I'll be reviewing the part one game when I get around to doing that so yeah, TV, games, films, May Night, podcast, May Night are back this weekend as well. Uh, Manchester Derby, big game on Sunday. Look out for that. Still been doing Gaming Talk podcast. So yeah, we're getting into that busy period again. Uh, so lots of things going to be happening. Twitch, I have a schedule sort of now, which is Wednesdays and Fridays from 8. That's eTalk UK over on Twitch. And if you miss any of the gameplay stuff, the gameplay clips as well, uh, Entertainment Talk plays over on YouTube. So lots of stuff going on at the moment. So uh, keep your eyes out for all of that. But that's me. Yep. So go and check Matt out over on entertainmenttalk.org. For other people involved in the show, you can find Bex over on twitch.tv forward slash Trista Bytes. That's B-Y-T-E-S. I think she's doing Little Nightmares at the moment, yes, or Little yeah. Nightmares 2 she's running through. Although she started off the stream yesterday by giving herself nightmares by reading out the reviews of the hotel she's staying at in Blackpool when she's going up to do Play Expo, which are really quite scary. Uh, <laughs> lots of one-star reviews, which was very, very funny. So uh, lots of fun and games going on over there, but 
but uh, yeah, little nightmare she's doing and sitting in a box dreams and all that sort of other crazy, silly stuff <laughs> over there. So uh, twitch.tv forward slash Trista Bites if you want to go and check out Bex. And uh, Daryl, you can go and find at hollywoodnorthnews.net for all those TV shows that you love that are shot in Canada. For us, you can visit the website at geektown.co.uk throughout the week and see all the latest air date information. If you want to get in touch with your questions or comments, email us on podcast at geektown.co.uk. Leave a message on the website post. Find us at Geektown on Twitter, on Facebook at facebook.com forward slash geektown, on YouTube at youtube.com forward slash geektown, and on Instagram at geektownuk. That is everything. We shall see you next week. Bye-bye. Goodbye. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Did you know cats tend to hide symptoms of sickness and pain? I learned this the hard way after losing my cat, Gingy. So I created Pretty Litter, a health monitoring litter that helps detect early signs of illness by changing colors, saving you money and potentially your cat's life. Pretty Litter is veterinary and developed, and it's the easiest way to keep tabs on your fur baby's health right at home. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details.